Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. some things for me, and I don't necessarily know for you, but there are some things in the way of of a clear and compelling view of heaven. And our desire for the last few weeks has been to talk about heaven in a way that would be both clear and compelling. The scriptures give us glimpses of what heaven will be like. Not enough for us to fully wrap our minds around it, but we get enough to envision it. We get enough to to really set our hearts and minds on things above. We've talked in weeks past about the only way to do the Christian life. The only way to do what the Dixons are doing, the only way to do the Christian life is to aim past it. The only way to do The Christian life is not to live for this life. The only way to make a difference here and now is not to live for the here and now. So eternity, forever, um, has a huge impact on our day-to-day lives. And so this is an eight-week series on forever. We've got four weeks to go. And this is part three of preaching on forever and your fate. We've been talking about heaven. So last week, um, I shared with you uh, what, what may have been for some of you the shocking truth that where you go when you die is not where you'll be for eternity. Where you go when you die is not where you'll be for eternity. When we answer the question, what will heaven be like, you need to know that that question has two different answers. Because the Bible tells us about present heaven or intermediate heaven. That is where you go when you die. And then the Bible also describes for us or gives us glimpses of eternal heaven or the new heavens and the new earth. So we have present heaven and intermediate heaven and we have eternal heaven or the new heavens and the new earth. And I don't want to say anything at the expense of present heaven, but present heaven is simply a layover. Um, We're awaiting, we're longing um, for Jesus to return and to establish His kingdom here on earth. So last week we talked about present heaven, where you go when you die. Um, I I, I feel uh, bad calling it a layover uh, because Jesus called it paradise. And I don't know... um, the last layover you had that you described as paradise. Jesus said to a thief dying next to him, today you will be with me, not on a layover, but in paradise. And so I don't mean to say that at the expense um, of present heaven, but I want you to know that your final destination, your eternal home is not present heaven. And I want you to be able to distinguish between present heaven and our eternal heaven. Or intermediate heaven and our, the new heavens and the new earth. A failure to distinguish 
between those things brings quite a bit of confusion. And so the Bible describes one and it also gives us glimpses of the other. Today's sermon will be about our final destination, our eternal home. And if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that our hope as Christians is resurrection. Resurrection. Uh, Paul, Paul said to the Corinthians, like, we're to be pitied. We're to be pitied. If there is no resurrection, not if there is no heaven, we are to be pitied more than anyone. But if there is no resurrection, we are to be pitied more than anyone. Our hope is in resurrection. What we're waiting for, what we're longing for, what we're groaning for is a resurrected life in a resurrected body with a resurrected Christ on a resurrected earth. And that is the promise of Scripture. That's the culmination. That's where this plan that God has set up ends up. So, if you you want to know more about present heaven, you weren't here last week. The sermon is online and you can get, uh, I guess, um, you know, uh, from Jesus' words and then the words of Paul and then from Revelation chapter 6. We looked at some of the glimpses that we get of present heaven, but I want to speak this morning about the new heavens and the new earth. Our ultimate destination, where we will spend forever, where God's kingdom will reach its ultimate and eternal state is on earth. He will bring heaven to earth and this earth will become our heaven. Both present heaven And eternal heaven can both be described as heaven because both of those places are places of God's special presence. So he'll be there in both spots, making both places a great place to be, but they are not the same place. He will come and establish his kingdom in its ultimate and eternal state here on earth. So I want you, uh, just for a little bit, to suspend some of the ideas and thoughts that you have about heaven. I don't know what images come to mind. I don't know what thoughts come to mind when I say the word heaven. But would you suspend those for a second and explore resurrection with me? Explore resurrection. Piper, uh, John Piper says this, uh, when you think of your new birth, think of it as the first installment of what is coming. Just an appetizer. Your body and the whole world will one day take part in this regeneration. God's final purpose is not spiritually renewed souls inhabiting decrepit bodies in a disease and disaster ravaged world. His purpose is a renewed world with renewed bodies and renewed, so- renews, renewed souls that take all our renewed senses and make them a means of enjoying and praising God. So I'm setting out this morning to answer, I guess, two questions. Um, What will our forever bodies be like? What do we know about our forever bodies and how we will exist? What will it look like to be in our skin? And then what will our forever home look like? What will it look like to be a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth? I I believe, again, we get a good glimpse of this in Scripture. Not, Not enough to fully wrap your mind around it, but something you can really sink your teeth into. So what, what will it be like to be in our resurrected bodies? 
What will it be like to be in our skin? If ultimately that is our hope, a resurrected life in a resurrected body, what will that be like for us? Anybody spent any time thinking about that? How God is going to do that and what that will uh, look like? Um, The key to answering this question, the real key to answering the question, what will it be like in our forever skin is to look at Jesus Christ and his resurrection. The Bible says clearly that what happened to Jesus will happen to us. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. Jesus walked around for 40 days after he rose from the grave to show us how we would live as resurrected beings. I believe he also did that to show us where we will live as resurrected beings, which is right here on earth. But that's the second point. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 and 21. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Him so I can be like Him in His resurrection. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. Jesus is the first fruits. Something that we can see and experience that tells us what is to come. I find it interesting that the Bible is so clear that what happened to Jesus will happen to you. That we're all waiting for the resurrection. That we will experience what Jesus experienced. Yet most Christians think that they will live. They will eternally exist as a ghost or a disembodied spirit somewhere out there that you won't for eternity have physical form. Jesus himself specifically said in Luke 23, I am not a ghost. You're not dealing with a ghost. In fact, if you read what Jesus says to his disciples after his resurrection, he keeps saying... It is I myself. It is I myself that you're dealing with. He stood. He didn't float. He wasn't in a yoga position. That's not the way. He stood. He walked. He ate. Right? He cooked for his disciples. Right? He built a fire. And he put fish that he caught on that fire. He did not cook the fish with laser eyes. That's not what happened for Jesus. It's not what went on. 
Mary saw him. Mary saw him and referred to him and said, Sir. She couldn't tell that there was anything different about him. In fact, she couldn't tell that it was him because she didn't make eye contact with him. Sir. As he walked with the two guys on the road to Emmaus, they couldn't tell that anything was different. They thought he was just some regular old Joe who needed an update on the news around town. They were kept from seeing his real identity. They thought he was just any old guy. Here's maybe the trippiest part. He picked up where he left off. The jokes that started on one side of the grave ended on the other. There was continuity between his life before death and his resurrected life. There was memories. There was history. And he picked up where he left off with people. Gave assignments to guys because he knew their strengths. Knew their weaknesses. Reinstated Peter because he knew what had gone on in Peter's life. There was continuity between this life and the next. You will retain your identity. You will retain your identity. You will be you forever. We will know you by your name. There will be continuity between this life and the next. So for all of you parents reading name books, trying to figure out what you're going to name your kid, even more pressure on you to name your kids forever. You, your racial identity will continue. I will still be pasty with blotchy skin. That will, it will still be me. Your racial identity will not be... You, you will not become something else. That's what I'm getting at. You don't become an angel. You won't get wings. You won't get a halo. That's not what happens. You don't become something or someone else. I, I was hoping to get darker skin myself. And that doesn't look like it's in the cards for me. My first trip to Africa, um, the kids, I, I was having a hard time understanding them, but they, they were calling me Flamingo Man. And uh, I was like, wait, wait, what? What are you guys saying? You know, and they're like, Flamingo Man, Flamingo Man, you know. Uh, you know, you know that you know that moment when, like, a kid says something, and you're like, why do, why, a three-year-old said something to me, and I feel really insecure, you know? <laughs> Flamingo man, and you're like, oh, what? why would you say that to me? <laughs> so I will be forever Flamingo man. You know that moment when your kids are like, why are your teeth so yellow? And you were like, why do I feel so insecure that a three-year-old pointed that out right now? <laughs> your, indivi- your individuality was God's plan from the beginning. He made you, you, and you will remain you in resurrected form. What makes you you, your personality, your preferences. What if people still had their preferences, your interests, your memories, your gifts, your talents? All of these parts will be restored 
and amplified, untarnished by the sin and the curse. Most of my fears um, about forever um, have nothing to do with my physical form. Um, They have to do with my emotional state. Uh, I fear forever, uh, not because I have fears for what will happen physically, but I fear some of what may happen emotionally. And I just want to speak to that briefly. Um, What will our emotions uh, be? What will our emotional state be in eternity? And, And our emotions... Um, we have emotions because God has emotions. We were created in His image. He laughs. He cries. He gets angry. He gets jealous. He delights. He has emotions and we were made in His image. Emotions are a part of God-created humanity. They aren't baggage to be left behind. You will not leave your emotions behind and become some sort of passive, aloof person for all eternity. You will have passions and you will have emotions and you should anticipate clear and accurate emotions. And all the guys said, amen. (laughs) Amen to clear and accurate emotions. Actually, I make that joke, and my wife and I had a doozy of a conversation yesterday where I was completely out of whack. Amen to clear and accurate emotions. Or amen to men having emotions. Amen to that. Amen to feeling something. Your emotions, they're skewed by sin. They are, but you should expect them to be delivered from it. You should expect them to be what God designed them to be. Clear and accurate. No longer distorted by sin and the curse. Um, I've had thoughts like, will we still have desires uh, when we arrive? We're fully known. Will we still have longings? Will we still anticipate things? And I don't know if anyone else has had uh, fears along those lines, but as I've studied, I, I really believe that anticipation and desire is a huge part of our experience of joy. And because we will experience joy in eternity, I believe that we will still have desires, we'll still have longings, we'll still anticipate Things and God will satisfy those things forever. There is uh, something, um, and I believe it, 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 it comes from a misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians 13 12. But we will not be omniscient, you will not know everything, you will learn in forever. There will be um, an unfolding. God will reveal Himself through the ages. There will be a process. There will be questions that we have that aren't immediately answered. We will know and we will see clearly. And we will be flawless, but you will still be finite. 
The angels are flawless beings, but they're finite. They don't know everything. There is no promise in Scripture that when you get to heaven, you'll be omniscient and know everything. There will still be progress and and process and an unfolding of God's plan forever. I think that, I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to be free from the uncertainty concerning my desires. Because what I should do will finally be what I want to do. Amen to that. If that's all heaven was, I'd be all in. What you should do will finally be what you want to do and you'll be freed from the uncertainty concerning your desires. Anybody had that question where you have a desire, you have a longing and you're like, why do I long for that? You know, just constantly questioning, is it good, is it bad? Why do I want attention? Why do I want approval? Why do I want that award? Why do I want to be noticed? Why do I want that relationship? Why do I want that job? Why do I want that gal? Why do I long for the things I long for? And I can't wait to be delivered from the uncertainty that surrounds my desires and to know once and for all that what I want is also what he wants. Um, So that is, I guess, just a glimpse. There's more that could be said, but what I want you to remember is that Jesus is the prototype. When you see him as that, and when you come to the scriptures saying, what happened to Jesus will happen to me. That if I put my hope and faith in Jesus, I will experience what Jesus experienced. If you come at it from that angle, you'll find that the scriptures have a lot to say about how we will exist as resurrected beings. And it's just great. I just, I've found a ton of comfort in coming to the place where I recognize that what happened to Jesus will happen to me. So that is what it will be like to be in your skin, your forever body. But what about the new earth? What will it look like to be a part of your forever home? To be a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth? What can we expect um, that to look like? We have some expectations concerning what our bodies and what our lives and what our thought lives will look like. But what, what will it look like to be a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth? The first thing I want you to know about uh, this place, our eternal heaven, our eternal home, is I want you to know that it's a place on earth. Ooh, baby. Do you know what that's worth? Heaven. It's a place on earth. It didn't work the first service and it didn't work the second service either. You guys are just... You guys are just laughing to make me feel better. And it's working, thanks. A place on earth. Our eternal home will be a place of diversity and culture. We will create a Christ-exalting culture. It'll be a place of security and peace, a place of work, and it will be a place to feast. 
Let me expound on these things because they got me excited, namely the one about feasting. So for all the foodies, you've got to wait, which is not something you're good at, but that's the last point. God's kingdom will reach its ultimate and eternal state on earth. He will bring heaven to earth, and this earth will become our heaven. That's what will happen. He will rule and He will reign right here. The kingdom of God will reach its ultimate and eternal state right here on earth. Revelation 21 1 through 5, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Some of you know that Jesus actually says that we won't be given to marriage in heaven. But that doesn't mean that there isn't marriage in heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be His people And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. I am making everything new. You're promised a new body, not a non-body. You're promised a new earth, not a non-earth. If it wasn't anything like this earth, why would he use the language a new earth? New is the adjective, earth is the noun. If I told you, I'm going to get you a new car. You wouldn't assume that that car has no engine, no transmission, no doors, no wheels, no upholstery, and no stereo. If it did not have those things, it wouldn't be a car. When I say I'm going to get you a new car, you think a better version of the hoopty you now have. When you read, you get a new earth. When he's making all things new, you get a better body than the hoopty you have. And we get a better earth than the one that we have. Well, he says we get a new earth. It must mean we get a non-earth. What? He says we get a new body. He must mean a non-body. No, he means a new body. A better version of the hoopty you have is what you're promised. It's not just our bodies that's longing for resurrection. All of creation is longing for resurrection. Romans 8, which I would encourage you to read and reread and read. Uh, Romans 8, 18 says, I consider 
that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The redemption of our bodies. All creation is longing for resurrection. It's not just our bodies longing and groaning, but all of creation has been subjected to frustration and is longing for resurrection. God has to win at home or else He has failed. Redemption has to work itself out here or God has failed. If all He has is an evacuation plan because this planet is too tainted for Him to redeem, then the enemy and the curse and the fall and sin and death has gone further than His redemption. If he doesn't win here, if he doesn't win at home, he has failed. The ultimate is not victory. For any of you who've participated in sports, I mean, I I think, you know, you hear guys give interviews after the game, and it's about the win, we got the win. But the ultimate is not the win. The ultimate is to win on somebody else's turf. It's one thing to beat the Seahawks. It's another thing to beat the Seahawks at home. That's where you want to win. (laughs) This guy went into intercession. You've got to win at home because if they come to your place and you win, the question will always be, well, if we would have faced you at home or if we would have played in our gym, or if we would have been played in our stadium, if we would have played in front of our fans, then it would have been a different story. The ultimate is not just to win. The ultimate is to win in somebody else's home. To kick their teeth in in front of their own fans. To win and win big. That is the ultimate. And Christ will come not to lead an evacuation from this planet, He will come and redeem the things touched by sin and death. He will kick His teeth in right here on earth because it will be the ultimate victory. It's not a victory to say this is too far gone and then to remove people from it. That's not what He's done with us and that's not what He's going to do with this planet. He's not given up on His plan for you to restore you, to renew you, and He's not given up on His plan for this planet. He will restore and He will renew all things right here. He will win at home. He will set up His kingdom right here. He's not leading an evacuation. Zechariah, the prophet, 
says he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. That's where his rule will extend. Isaiah 60, verse 20 and 21. Again, a prophet prophesies, your son will never set again. That's interesting if you keep uh, Revelation 21 in mind. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Then all your people will be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. Isaiah 66, 22, he says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and your descendants endure. Acts 31, one of the early church leaders referencing this, um, these prophecies, says heaven must receive him. Jesus must go up. He must ascend. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. As he promised Long ago, through guys like Zechariah and Isaiah. Ephesians 1, 9-10. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure for which He purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Heaven will come down to earth and this earth will Become our heaven. Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Right here is where his kingdom will be established in its ultimate and eternal state. He will win at home. By the way, this is why the early Christians got in so much trouble. I was fascinated to find the word resurrection in the book of Acts more than any other book in the Bible. Because they were preaching resurrection. Not that we're going to evacuate this place and go to heaven, but the Messiah is going to establish his rule and reign right here, and there will be a resurrection from the dead. That's what got them in trouble. That's, what, that's a threat to Rome. No, 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 the Messiah will return and he will set up his kingdom here. And there will be no end to his kingdom. And there will be a resurrection from the dead. What happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. He's going to come down. He'll establish his rule right here. Rome didn't do so well with that. If, if the message was, hey guys, Jesus died. We're going to take off as disembodied spirits. We're leaving this planet behind and the whole thing's going to blow up. Rome's like, don't let the door hit you on your way out. Who cares what you think? That's no threat to their empire. That's no threat to their authority. That's no threat to to what's established. And here's Paul preaching, proclaiming, Peter preaching and proclaiming resurrection. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. And he will come. He will return and he will set up his kingdom right here. That's what got them in trouble. That's what got them imprisoned. You should read their messages. 
Resurrection, preaching resurrection. In trouble because of the resurrection. Not we're going to float off to heaven. Again, who cares? Who cares? You're no threat to us. Well, we're going we're gonna to leave. Okay, good, leave. That's not what they were saying. No, we're here to stay. An eternal kingdom will be set up and established. Side note. I think, you know, some of you are like, well, I thought we were going to evacuate this place. I, think, I thought that this planet was destined for destruction, apocalyptics, kind of like stuff. Um, it is. It's destined for destruction, and then it's destined for redemption. It's destined to be restored. You have to go through the D words to get to the re words. But the ultimate is not the D words. Some of you are in a devival right now. Lord, send a revival, because I'm in a devival right now. You have to. It's like, yes, Lord, send redemption. You know, uh, renew us. You know, and it's like, oh man, everything's being denewed right now. You know, everything's being deconstructed. It is. It will all be deconstructed. And then it will be reconstructed by Him. Just like your body is destined for destruction. It's also destined for redemption. This planet, this earth that we're on, destined for destruction, also destined for redemption. I thought these were two uh, just great quotes to to wrap up. Um, The emphasis on the present heaven is clearly rest. This is present heaven. Um, is clearly rest, cessation from earth's battles and comforts from earth's sufferings. The future heaven is centered more on activity and expansion, serving Christ and reigning with Him. The scope is much larger. The great city with its twelve gates. People coming and going. Nations to rule. In other words, the emphasis in the present heaven, where you go when you die, is on the absence of earth's negatives. While in the future heaven, it is the presence of earth's positives, magnified many times through the power and glory of resurrected bodies on a resurrected earth. Free at last from sin and shame and all that would hinder both joy and achievement. The Bible ends with, or starts with creation. It ends with new creation. God has not given up on His original plan. It's not, ah, oh, it's too tainted. Got to start over. I, I, too, too tainted. I'm starting over. With this planet, with you. No, He will restore and He will renew. I love this passage where Jesus says, truly, He's talking to His disciples, truly, I say to you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, You who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. At the renewal of all things. At the renewal of all things. Not the destruction of all things. Not the abandonment of all things. At the renewal of all things. You will sit with me. You will feast with me. Whatever sin has touched and polluted, God will redeem and cleanse. If redemption does not go as far as the curse of sin, then God has failed. Whatever the extent of the consequences of sin, so must the extent of redemption be. 
It's a place on earth. It's also a place of diversity and culture. Revelation 21 verses 22 through 27 says, I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The glory of the nations will be brought into it. Our eternal home will be a place of great diversity. There still will be other nations and there still will be people ruling those nations. They'll just be subjected to, submitted to Christ who's ruling and reigning. Bruce Milne Milne says, Nothing of ultimate worth from the long history of the nations will be omitted from the heavenly community. Everything which authentically reflects the God of truth, all that is of abiding worth from from within the national stories and the cultural inheritance of the world's people will find its place in the new Jerusalem. In Revelation 5, you get to listen in to the soundtrack that's going on and you know that it's every tribe and every tongue joining in song. Every tribe and every tongue tongue. There is nothing that would suggest sameness in heaven. Unity brings God glory, not uniformity. There's nothing that suggests sameness in heaven. It will be a place of diversity and a place of culture. It will be a place of security and peace for us. We're told over and over again that God will live with us in this city. But we're also told that this city has walls. And we're also told that this city has 12 gates. And those gates are made out of a single pearl. And that's where we get the reference, the pearly gates. That's where we get it. And you can read about it in the same passage that I just read. But the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold as pure as transparent glass. I found it so fascinating, this reference that says, On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. On no day will the gates be shut. Even the happiest place on earth shuts its gates to protect itself. At a certain, certain time, those gates get shut to protect itself from intruders. And what we're hearing, I mean, what these people must have thought when they said, No, this city will exist and it will never shut its gates. It'll be a place of peace, a place of security where we don't have to bring in and bring up our gates in order to protect ourselves. People will be coming and going all the times. These gates will never shut. And these gates will also be made out of pearl, pearls being the most valuable of precious stones to the ancients. You know that a pearl is made in process and you know that a pearl is made through pain. And some would suggest that these gates are made out of pearls to remind us of the pain that Christ went through. 
that grants us now access to this city day and night. That they never close. That because of His pain, because of His process, because of what He has done, we now have access. And what if, I don't know, but what if every time we pass through these gates, we're reminded of the access that we now have to the Father because of Christ's suffering, because of His process, and because of His pain. It's a place to work as citizens in the new heavens and new earth. It'll be a place of privileges and it'll also be a place of responsibility. Work was a part of God's original design. Work was at one time good. I know, hard to believe. We'll pray for you after this. Work was at one time good. We were made to work. And we will serve Him when we get there. Made to work. Want to know why? God's a worker. God's a worker. Jesus said this about His Father. My Father is at work to this very day. My Father is at work to this very day. Jesus, while He was here, said that He brought glory on earth to the Father by doing everything He told Him to do. I brought glory to you here on earth, Father, by doing everything you told me to do. We will glorify God in eternity by doing everything he tells us to do. And what did God first tell mankind? He said, fill the earth and exercise dominion over it. Demonstrate my creativity. Demonstrate my ingenuity. Produce a Christ-exalting culture. And that's what we will do together. You will work. You'll have a job. And it will be for us a place to feast. Jesus said to His disciples, I confer on you a kingdom. Giving you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me. Just as my Father gave me a kingdom. So that... I'm giving you a kingdom, guys, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Isaiah 25, 6 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, that's just figurative. That's just a figure of speech. Banquet means you know, assembly, or, you know, we won't eat there. No, 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 we will eat there. Jesus ate in his resurrected body, which means that Jesus also took a dump. Jesus ate in his resurrected body. I'm not trying to get a laugh. I'm saying that on purpose. I throw that in the face of this idea that you have that what is spiritual isn't physical and and what is physical isn't spiritual. Nonsense. Matter matters to God, okay? Jesus ate in resurrected form and said to him, said to his disciples, I'm giving you a kingdom as my father gave me a kingdom so that we can sit and feast. That's what we're going to do. In fact, Jesus proved his resurrection by feasting. They didn't even know it was him until he dug in. I don't know, man, he's a ghost. What's going on here? Give him something to eat. That's how we'll know if it's really him. They didn't even know it was him until he dug in. Luke 24, 40. When he, he, he had said this to his disciples, they're still in shock. And he, and he showed them his hands and feet. And they still didn't believe because of joy and amazement. And then, and then they, they asked him, do you have anything here to eat? 
And and they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate in their presence. And then finally they were like, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is him. He's back from the dead. We don't need fine meals. We don't need fine meals right now. But we enjoy them for the same reason we'll enjoy them then. Because God made us to enjoy them and to glorify Him as we eat and drink. We will glorify Him as we eat and drink. You should prepare to feast is what you should prepare to do. We will, we're, so the big question for me is I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff and I'm getting more and more excited. I'm thinking, okay, like, so when? When does this happen? You know, the question that the church has been asking for 2,000 years. This all sounds great, Trav. You had me in the first few minutes. When? Send me now. I'm, I'm in. I'm all, I'm all about it. When does this happen? Jesus says that we won't know when. You won't know when. And we know you won't know when because Jesus said that you won't know when. He meant it. But he didn't say that we would have to wonder if. You would always wonder when. You don't have to always wonder if this will happen to you. He's the first fruits. Jesus actually said to a group, grieving group of people, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not die. Do you believe this? Church, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You can taste the kingdom now. You can invite his rule and reign in your life right now. You can have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead as a deposit guaranteeing what will come. You can have that right now. You don't have to wonder if this is going to happen. You will always wonder when this is going to happen. When he returns and establishes his kingdom here, the dead will be raised and we will experience what I'm talking about. But I don't know when that will happen. You don't have to wonder if that can happen. You can come to him, the resurrection and the life. You can... Believe in Him and you shall not die. Romans 10.9 says this, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you declare it with your mouth and then you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. He's only Lord if He rose. And if He rose, then we will be raised to new life in Christ. He's only Lord. He's only divine. He's only God if He rose. If he's still in the grave, then we should be pitied. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous what we're doing. If he did rise from the grave, if he rose, then we will be raised with Christ. What happened to Jesus will happen to you, and you can know that. You can know it. You can have a real future. You can have a real hope with a real Lord. You can have those things. Worship team, would you come? And would you stand with me? I want to make an altar call. Um, I can't answer any questions about when this will happen. But I can answer your questions about if. If this will happen. 
If you've never seen it in this light and you find yourself in a place going, I want to know that what happened to Jesus will happen to me. And I want to know this spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And I want a down payment guaranteeing that this will happen to me. I can promise you those things because the scriptures promise you those things. It's not me making promises. The scripture promises that you can have these things now. You won't know when, but you don't have to wonder if. The worship team is going to lead us in song, uh, all of us. And I would love to pray for anyone who, who, who wants to receive Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Who wants to believe and confess with their mouth that God raised him from the dead. If you're feeling a conviction, a strong pull, I would love to pray for you. And I'm not going to make everyone close their eyes because I believe that you're bolder than that. And you're, you're um, hungrier than that. So, as the worship team leads us in worship and everyone else gets lost in song, I'd love for you to find your way to the front. And I'd love to pray that uh, Jesus come with resurrection life and touch you and the situations that you're in. So, again, no one's going to care if you move. No one's thinking that much about you. You're just thinking that much about you. And we'd love to pray for you to be delivered from that. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. Things here in life.